Good morning. That felt so epic, and I was like, whoa, that's going to be a big drop-off. <laughs> Welcome. My name's Alex. I'm the pastor here at Ridgeview, and as you've seen there, uh, we're talking about uh, plays and this playbook that we've been given in the Bible to help us uh, live life. And specifically in this series, The Proven Playbook, uh, we're digging into how uh, we want to team together uh, as a church. And the tagline of the series is Teaming to Win. Uh, but what's different in the church than in sports is it's not about this score that we have. It's actually the accomplishment of the mission that, that God's given us. And the mission is actually a change lives, uh, how we change ourselves from the inside out with God's help. How do we become different people? And then how do we help others change and, and grow as well to become the people that God wants them to be? And so in this series, we're going to be kind of going into the locker room of Ridgeview Church And you're going to be able to see what are the things that are important to us? What are the things that we want to rally around? What are kind of our go-to plays and our values of how we want to treat each other and how we want to organize as a church? And so we hope that this series will give some insight into uh, what our goals are and how we want to move together and also be a way that that we can invite you in to what God's doing uh, here at Ridgeview. And we're a new church and our story is unfolding uh, as I'm speaking And it's been so fun to see all that God has done, and it's not over. This is the beginning. And so we're glad you're here as you can kind of be on the front row seeing uh, how we want to move together towards uh, the future that that God has for us. Uh, Just just as a way of disclaimer, uh, this is a uh, soccer jersey. Soccer is a sport that many play around the world. Just in case you're like, what is is that? Um, My favorite team is Liverpool. Um, I used to live in England. My mom's British, and so I've been a Liverpool fan. Um, It's part of the Premier League, which is kind of the number one soccer league in England. Uh, This isn't Liverpool. This is the sponsor. And so in England, the jersey has the name. And I don't know why I'm just telling you this, but I just feel better about myself. So, And, you know, on the West Coast, you can see a Premier League game at 4.30 in the morning. If you ever just want to wake up and get a hunkering, it's prime time right there. Um, but welcome, as, you, as Joel mentioned, uh, we just decided since we're talking about teaming together, let's just kind of wear uh, jerseys. And so throughout this series, if you want to wear a jersey, uh, you can. After this series is done, uh, you can, and sometimes we have crickets in here. Um, but after this series is done, uh, feel free to wear it as well. But this is just kind of a fun way for us to kick off, um, kick off the series. And so in, in any sport, there's uh, plays, like the trailer said there, that, that you, you go to. Uh, here's a pic of NFL team, the coach, is talking to the quarterback, all are trying to be on the same page. They always cover their mouths so no one can read what the play is going to be, but they execute this and hope to, to gain yards on the play. Uh, here's a, a player that you guys may know. Uh, that's Tom Brady. He has actually the kind of plays on his wrist, and those are his go-to. And so in any sport, uh, there's these plays that, that you run, and if you get in a bind, you may just have to think spontaneously what you have to do, but for the most part, it's organized. There's a plan, and you team together to accomplish what you need to do. And as a church, and as Christ followers, it's, it's actually the same thing. We're not supposed to just live life as it comes without a plan. God's given us the Bible, and the Bible is his playbook for us. And as we dig into it, and as we read it, and then as a church, as we live by it and are guided by it, it actually does the same thing. It helps us move forward. It helps us navigate so that we're accomplishing uh, the mission that we've been given. I want to just read a scripture that kind of highlights how in our life before we follow Jesus, we, we kind of have our own set of rules. 
and all of us do. Um, if you're not yet a Christian and you've not yet decided to follow Christ, you, you have one set of rules. And it, most of the time it's based on what your parents did and what they, what they said. And maybe what the culture says, what media says, and anything that, that you've just kind of known and you maybe don't even think about, but it's what you do. It's how you treat people. It's what you say. It's your attitude of success. It's your way into the future. But when you decide to follow Christ, you actually get a new playbook. And your old playbook doesn't apply anymore. You have to choose to go about life in a different way, to organize your life in a different way, to emphasize things in a different way. And this scripture right here uh, summarizes it. And he's speaking to a group of Christians that are trying to figure out the old life and the new life, the struggle of living life God's way, but also that battle of not living it the old way. And this is what the writer Paul says. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And I want to highlight a few things, but the first thing of this new playbook, of the new life that you have when you decide to follow Jesus, this sets the context for the rest of what we'll be talking about in this series. And the first thing is you have to actually have to put off your old self, your, your old ways, your old strategies, your old goals. They're no longer the, the guiding thing of your life. They actually become something that you're supposed to kind of put off. Like there's a new goal, there's a new leader I have, and it's Jesus himself. And he becomes my leader and he wants to lead me forward. So his playbook now overrules my playbook. And so I have to continually surrender to, to his ways. And so... Our old ways are the old playbook that we lived by. And then the scripture also talks about being renewed uh, in the spirit. That's what it says in Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That word spirit uh, means this, an attitude or disposition reflecting the way in which a person thinks about or deals with some matter. And so this was written in the Greek language in the first century, and that, that word, spirit, is, is really talking about this new attitude. When you decide to follow Christ, there's a new attitude that now you can choose. You couldn't choose it before. But when you decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives inside of you, and now you have a set of new attitudes that you can choose. It's like this new reflex. And you can throw off the old self because there's new life in you. And this new life forces or forms the new basis for which we live. And the third thing that this represents is a new approach. And so we put off the old self, and then we have a new attitude. And we put off the old self, and we actually have a new approach. And this is in that same verse. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the spirit is our attitudes. But here's how the Greek defines minds. The minds is the psychological faculty of understanding, reasoning, thinking, and deciding. So not only do you have a new attitude, but there's a new way that you reason. There's a new way that you see a situation, you read it, and then you act. You read it, you see what's happening, and then you act differently. You respond, and this is referring to an approach. So when you decide to follow Jesus, not only are you given this new attitude for which you can choose, but you're also given this new approach for how you can live. And so this proven playbook is based on this scripture. We can become different people when we follow Jesus. The old ways, everything that we've known, our reflexes, which are so normal to us, over time, God changes us, and we can begin to become different people. I don't know about you, 
But that's some of the most refreshing news there is. I don't have to be the same that I've always been. And as I throw off the old self, I can choose a new attitude and a new approach. And so following Christ, that's what it means. There's a new attitude and a new approach. Becoming a Christian isn't just an idea. It's not something that is just a thought. It actually means a different way of living. So back to sports. It's you've been given now different plays that you've never had before. And you now execute your life and you make decisions completely uh, differently. Now, as you say that, that, that sounds like that makes sense. Well, I hope it does. But sometimes when, when we talk like this, yeah, like throw off the old self. Yeah, I need a new attitude. Yeah, new approach, that'd be good. But in order for that to be realized, sometimes you have to realize the old approach in us. And so let's have a little fun with this. I want you to finish this sentence, okay? My way or the highway. See, there's right here. You guys, you scored one point. We're keeping score here. If you win, you get another donut, all right? All right, don't show show it up here, guys, because we don't want them to, to know, but finish the phrase. If you can't handle the heat, I was even going to give you get out of that, but you know, you, okay, two. You guys got two points. Last one, you guys ready? Second place is the first. <laughs> That's like, I kind of like it, but I shouldn't. But man, second place is the first loser. Like, I should have gotten that shirt. But before this, before I said that, you guys would have really been like, whoa, pastor's just kind of gone dark on us. But that phrase, second place is the first loser. The only person that thought of that phrase is person in first place. Second place, they've not designed this t-shirt. <laughs> but how many times, now we don't say that, but if somebody's trying to do something and you're busy at work and it's stressful and you want to get things done and people are kind of freaking out, like, what are we going to do? And you, there's something in us. It's like, you can't handle the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Have you ever said that before? But it's just that kind of idea. Like, if you can't hang with what needs to happen, we don't need you here. That's like a natural reflex. Like, we just feel like it's just, you got to be stronger. You got to be better. And if you can't hang, then just you're going to be left behind. That's actually like theory of evolution. The strongest survive. That's actually an attitude and an approach that impacts our relationships. Or this idea, if you can't handle the heat, my way or the highway, second, it's just this idea of like, you know, we maneuver so we're, we're first. And our success and our value is based on how close to first we are. Before we know it, this is the way we can live life. And then we listen to songs and we watch TV and they joke and they have fun, but it's always on the basis of who's the best. Who's winning? And there's a whole system for which we evaluate what the good life is, what success is. And so this old way is inundated. But what you find is if, if you live by the old way and you think that the, the way to forward is to push yourself forward, or the way to success is to make sure you're at the front and you're leading the pack, you will live a life where you will be worn out and never able to attain enough. You'll never have enough. And so the playbook that Jesus gives is actually complete opposite. And here's the first play I want to introduce. Here's play number one. Others before me. The memes for this weren't nearly as fun. In fact, I couldn't really find one. Others before me. That is a completely different way of thinking. 
And that's a completely different way of living. But when you dig into the scriptures, to follow Jesus means that you will put other people in front of you. That's what it means. Because that's what Jesus did. And so to follow Jesus means we do what Jesus did. And I want to talk about a passage that uh, describes this. It was written by a man named Paul. Uh, He actually wrote the previous uh, book that I just read from in Ephesians. Uh, He persecuted Christians earlier in his life. In his mission, he was a a strong Jew. And his, his mission was to kind of squelch this movement of Christianity. He saw it as a threat to the Jewish faith. So he thought the pure religion is Judaism. And so all this, this Christian things, this Jesus thing, all these things that's happening, let's, let's kind of squelch this movement. So he was a part of persecuting. He was a part of actually handing people over to death for their Christian faith. And what happened is, is God actually got a hold of him. When I'm talking about this new life, Jesus himself said, you're not going to persecute me anymore. In fact, you're going to be the, the person to lead people forward in Christianity. And so his life was turned around. He got this new set of plays, a new attitude, a new approach, and he helped many people become Christians. So this man who was once a persecutor, this man who defined his faith by all the works that he had done in his own self-effort was completely transformed through Jesus. And his life was changed. And many times in the New Testament, if you read a book, it's probably written by Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so why that's so helpful is that you have to realize, like, Paul was not this person who had it all together. In fact, when you dig into the Scripture, very rarely did anyone have it all together except Jesus himself. We were all a bunch of broken people, and in the Scriptures, broken people. And Paul was the same way. But he tries to help people realize the new life that they had because he had experienced the new life. And I stand before you as somebody who's experienced this new life as well. And so as he writes this, he wants people to kind of get this this idea of this is not the old plays that you've always lived. This is not the same attitude. And he begins to give them this sense of this new normal that they can experience. So he's writing this to the church in Philippi, which is modern-day Greece. And this is what he says. The reason I give you the history is see how relevant this is today. Because that's what you find in the Bible. There's timeless principles. And this is what he says in Philippians 2. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Others before me, that's a summary of that passage. Now this, to me, seems like the unlikely path to good relationships. Because most of the time, because of our own selfishness, the selfishness that I struggle with, and we all struggle with, There's a sense in like you have to get yours. You have to put yourself first because if you don't, who else is going to take care of you? And so this play, others before me, and this command to not look to our own interests but the interests of others is this idea of trusting God. This is faith. Faith lived out is putting others in front of yourself because the question is who's going to take care of me? And in the scripture, the reason we can do that is because the answer is God. If you put others in front of you and you decide to not be the sole person that makes sure you have everything you need, that now leaves the power and the resources to God himself, and he will take care of you. The only way to prove that this is true is is you actually have to try it, and this is what faith is. This is an idea, but you don't experience it 
and the reality of it until you put others in front of you and you see that the blessing that it brings. Have you ever treated somebody like this, like where you've actually looked out for them and in their response, the relationship that has this new sweetness that you've never known? That happens with kids. A lot of times in parenting, we kind of try to, as parents think like, uh, what's, what's the minimum I need to do for them to feel good? You ever felt that? Or like, how long can I sit on the couch and still parent? I call that parenting from the couch. The kids know that. They're in like, no, you gotta get up. What do you mean I gotta get up? There's no rules. Actually, they're right. Because as a parent, you can't fully engage, or a grandparent, or an aunt, uncle, you're like, you can't fully engage with the kid by sitting on the couch. You actually need to get up. And when you put their goals in front of you, you're, you're willing to get up off the couch. So practically, you don't know that that's going to be true unless you do it. And then the kid responds, and they respond out of, from a place of they've been loved and cared for. And now they're responding out of that. And it's the same with coworkers. It's the same with neighbors. It's the same with our spouse. People know when we're hedging our bets and protecting ourselves, right? Because you know that. You know when somebody's shortchanging you to take care of themselves. We see right through it. Why? Because we have the same thoughts. So what the scripture is saying is you have to push past the natural tendency to look out for us, to take care of me, and instead put others in front of you. In sports, this is called taking one for the team. Usually that means when you take one for the team, you're sacrificing yourself for the benefit of other players. Now, I told you guys I'm soccer. This next, I'm a soccer fan. This next picture kind of grosses me out, but it's also completely fascinating. So full disclaimer, it's not bloody or anything, but this guy's taking a header Look at that face. Look at that. That's, that's amazing. He's taking one for the team. If his head, actually his face, is not there, that ball is going into the goal. But he took one for the team. He wasn't thinking, like, what's the sweet spot where I can head it right here so it's not going to hurt? It's like, no, just get your nose in there. Get a cheek on it, you know. And he took one for the team. In baseball, you do this when you're, you're hit by the by the pitch. Any Dodger fans there? That's for you. There's no Dodger fans here? Wow, Dodger fans just went quiet. Like, can we say anything? All right. All right, guys. But he, that's uh, Justin Turner taking one for the team. In, in life, though, we have these choices to take, it, take one for the team as well. And our team's defined by the people that we're doing life with at that moment. At work, we take one for the team where we're in a stressful situation, we have everything on our plate that we need to do, and you have an opportunity to help a coworker, and they come to you for help, and you have this moment when you're looking at them and you're thinking, why are you telling me this? You ever done that? Now, you may not say that, but in your eyes, you're like, hmm, that's interesting, fascinating. And you're thinking, thank you for sharing. But they're coming to you for help. And so in that moment, you have to make a choice. Do I drop the things that I have to do to help them? And will I be able to work hard enough to get the things done that I still need to do? It's the same if you're a boss of a company and you've got employees, you have a choice. Do I maneuver and set things up to bless the people under me or do I maneuver and set things up to bless myself? It's the same thing if you're a subordinate. For your boss, they're not gonna see what you're doing and so do I do the minimum knowing that they're not gonna really know what's going on Or do I work really hard and extend myself when I'm tired? Extend myself when I don't want to do what they ask me to do? That's putting others in front of you. 
And in parenting, like I mentioned, it means you, you get off the couch, you, you do what your kid wants you to do. And as a spouse, you look for ways that you can, you can bless them and you can extend yourself for them. These are ways that we take one uh, for the team. Now, these kinds of shifts, they're painful. It sounds great, but it's not a movie. It's our life. And we get tired. We get to the point where like, I'm done extending myself for people. But again, the reason we can do that is because of what Jesus gives us and his, his power and his resources. And he wants to change us from the inside out. And this is a matter of faith. And so if you're new to following Jesus, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to bat a thousand at this every time. There's going to be times where you blow it and you looked out for yourself. If you've been a Christian years and years, you're going to blow it and you're going to look out for yourself because we still have sin and we still have selfishness. We will the rest of our lives. But over time, as you begin to see the blessing that comes from putting others in front of you, you have this experience now where God helps you as you extend yourself for others. And that's the way God's wired life to work. Now, the good news is our example isn't vague. And our example isn't something that we just try to hope we can figure out. In in Scripture, the example for this is Jesus, like I mentioned. And continuing that passage, Paul explains how our attitude and approach can be different. I want to highlight this. This is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. So your attitude, again, notice the attitude changes. The old way is gone. So your attitude now should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus paid the ultimate price so we could have a relationship with God. And I want to walk through a few highlights of this. The first thing is he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So what he realized is for, him, for Jesus to put the human race before himself. And the reason he did that is because he wanted to make a way back to God. Our sin has separated us from God, and the only way back was through Jesus. He lived perfectly. He did not sin. And so he could be the payment and the sacrifice for our sin. So he knew that the only way that he could be this payment is if he humbled himself. He didn't cling to his position. The next slide. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. So in the church, we celebrate things at Christmas and we celebrate Easter But there's times when we need to just continue to look back at what Jesus did. He left his place in heaven as the king of kings. And he came down to this earth, was born in a stable. And he died the most gruesome death so that we could be made right. So that we could have a second chance. So that we could have the opportunity to put off the new self and put on the new way of Jesus. Put off our old attitude and our old approach and live life differently. 
So his choice is the ultimate others before me. Now, it's trivial to say that Jesus took one for the team. He actually laid down his life for us. He died so that we may be able to know God and know him fully. And for me, in my own life, this this has made all the difference. Because at the points where I feel like I can't give, and at the points where I feel like I can't choose that attitude again, I want to take care of me and my, my goals. I want to look out for my number one, which is me. I have to look, and Jesus did not do that. If anyone deserved to do that, it was him. But he did not consider equality. He, he did not think that was an option. He put us before him. And because of that, we've experienced the blessing if you decide to follow Jesus and grace that we would never know. And so I want to translate that into the values that we have as a church. The play is others before me, but we actually have some things called heart attitudes. And so here at Ridgeview, we have six, or sorry, seven heart attitudes we value and aim to live by. And so you'll probably hear those a lot as you come around. Heart attitudes, that is referring to that attitude and approach. And so here's how attitude is Again, defined, this is Google, and it's a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. So these heart attitudes, again, are values that we hold dear, but the idea is not just thoughts or statements on a page. You know, any company or any church can have values, but we want these values to be what impacts what we do. And so this attitude and this approach, we want it to trickle down into the actual way that we treat each other. And so the first heart attitude is this. Put the goals and interests of others above my own. And there's seven of these, and each week we're going to cover each heart attitude. Now, for me personally, these heart attitudes have made all the difference in my life. Because when I finally decided that I wanted to do life God's way, and I wanted to model my life after Jesus, and I chose a new attitude and a new approach, what I realized is if I put others' goals and interests in front of mine, God will take care of me. He will make sure that I am still blessed because that's who God is. If you choose God's ways, he does not rip you off. If you choose God's ways, he actually comes through because you're obeying him. You're doing what he said. You're living life in reality. So if you want to know what the Christian life is all about, you look at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He served. And so our way of practically applying this is we look for opportunities again and again as a church and in our relationships. We see something that somebody needs. They have a goal. They have an interest. And we need to think, how can I help them get what they need. Now, it doesn't mean we give people things that are going to be dangerous for them. Of course, there's boundaries on every relationship. When it comes down to it, if there's one Krispy Kreme donut, let me just put this on the bottom shelf. You let me have it. No, that's not how it works. But the idea is it's, you know, with God's people, it should be this this picture of we want to outdo each other in this. Like, you know what? I don't, you, you have that donut. No, you, you know what? No, you, you can have it. 
We live in a world where it's just like, no, you get to the front, get your donut, because you might not get one. That's not the way of Jesus. Ways you look at other people and, and you help them with their goals. I want to share a video of uh, Emily Berry, who just gives like a practical example of how she's experienced this at, at Ridgeview. And so let's watch this together. Hi, my name is Emily Berry, and I wanted to share with you about heart attitude number one, which is to put the goals and interests of others above my own. So one way I've seen that as I've been coming around Ridgeview is that there's very much a sense of people going out of their way to help out. So people come early, people stay after service to get things set up, to tear down, and really a lot of the time it's an inconvenience to them. Either they're getting up early or they're staying late. They may have families that they bring with them, and it's not always convenient if you have kids or you have guests coming with you. And one way that's really helped me grow in that area is I see everyone else pitching in and I really do want to help support the ministry of Ridgeview Church. And I have children and it's not always the most convenient to get them up extra early on a Sunday or for them to stay later to help clean up. But it really is important and I think it is really helpful for them to see how putting aside our own preferences and our own conveniences to serve Ridgeview Church and to be a blessing to the other people who are helping really is something I want my kids to learn. So that's just a practical snapshot. There's many. There's many of people that in this church are weekly going out of their way, daily going out of their way. Like, how can I take initiative with somebody to serve them, to help them? This is what the church is supposed to be. Oftentimes, we wait for people. We wait. When are they going to check on me? When are they going to help me? When are they going to take care of me? We wait and we wait. God's people, we are the initiators. We're the initiators of God's grace to others. We're the initiators of serving. If something needs to happen, if something needs to get dirty, we are the people to do it. And if you're just coming around, and you're trying to figure out your place in this church, this is the type of thing that you, you can just come and, and you can experience this. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to see this as being true and as being real, something that you can experience because as you, as you experience it and you see that people are blessed and people are taken care of, then it actually helps you to want to take those same steps as well. And so I I encourage you, as you're coming around this church, engage with people and let them in. Then allow God to bless the community that he's building here in your life. And for those of you that are coming around and Ridgeview is your church, this is an opportunity that we have every day that we interact, not just on a Sunday, but every day think, how can I serve somebody? How can I reach out to somebody? through a text, through getting together? How can I take initiative so that people can experience God's grace in their life through the extension of each other? This is what God wants to do. A movement of people where we treat each other a way that's refreshing and life-giving. That's why people want to become Christians because they'll see something that they've never seen. They experience something that they've never experienced, and that's what God wants to be true of our church. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to highlight these hard attitudes. And these hard attitudes are not just like fancy statements. They're actually a summary of what the Bible says we're supposed to treat each other. And so this week, it's this idea of let's put the goals and interests 
of others above our own. One way we're going to practically do this is is next week we want to actually honor the volunteers that we have here at Ridgeview Church because repeatedly our volunteers are putting our interests above theirs. Without volunteers, you'd be sitting on the floor. Do you realize that? And you'd never come back. What kind of a church is this? Without volunteers, you wouldn't have a donut. Do you guys like the donuts today? Thank you. Without volunteers, you wouldn't hear my voice. You wouldn't see the screen. Without volunteers, your kids would all be in here, and they'd be all sitting on the floor. You didn't think about that one. But man, our volunteers repeatedly put our goals and interests above theirs because they come early and they stay late, so this can happen. And so next Sunday, we're going to have a volunteer appreciation right after church. And we're just going to have some refreshments, and we're just going to thank all those people who do that. And if you're interested in serving, like, like Emily mentioned, it takes so many people for us to do the ministry that God wants us to do. And so we want this to be a place where you can come and you can serve at your own pace. But there's plenty of opportunities. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be giving opportunities for where you can step in and you can help. Because I believe, like, as you step forward in faith to extend yourself, that's when you see God come through. Then the second thing is you'll see a flyer in your program of Connect Groups. Uh, Our gathering on a Sunday is like the front door to our church. Uh, It's how you begin to see us and get to know people. But the connect groups are like the kitchen. You know, the kitchen is where you hang out with people. And people are, you know, cooking and doing stuff, and you're getting to know people, and and that's what we want. Now, our groups aren't in kitchens. Like, don't, well, that's a weird group. No, no. But it's, it's like that environment. And so a connect group is a way for you to get outside of one big group like we have here and get in a smaller group where you can actually know people within this church, where you can experience encouragement, where people can challenge you to stay after what you need to stay after. And so we're going to be launching a new round next month in September. We're going to have multiple groups where you can experience these hard attitudes and also have a place to apply them with a group of people. And so if you're ready and you're like, I want to be a part of a connect group, you can sign up today. You just write connect group on your connection card. And we're forming the groups right now. We're going to have groups in the Fontana area and the Rancho area, and they'll meet during the week on a weeknight. But what I'd love to see is these groups begin to form and people be in them and so people can experience the love and care that God wants you to experience. And so if you're interested, just write Connect Group, and we'll make sure that you get all the information as they unfold. So those are two practical ways. I want to invite the band up as we close out the service. Joel's going to walk through uh, some next steps. And so go ahead and pull out that connection card that you began filling out, and Joel's going to walk you through that. And then if I've not met you, um, I'd love to meet you today. And so I'll be by the info table at the end of the service, so come by and, and say hello.